Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. To give you uh, one of my Dave thoughts, sitting there last night in the zone and I'm thinking about things as I do, and uh, two things happened simultaneously. Something came up about the Garden of Eden. And uh, that horrific story about the guy that died upside down, hanging by his boots in the peanut butter cave. Mm -hmm. And the story of the Garden of Eden, I'll get it wrong, but basically, uh, you know, God talking to Adam and Eve and saying like, hey, look, if you eat the fruit of that tree, things are really going to start sucking for you. And if you eat the fruit of that tree, then you're going to be like us and we can't deal with another one of us. And they're like, hey, we're going to eat that apple. I have to believe that God didn't use his best material because God knows everything. Had God said, if I'm Adam and God said, like, I want you to look around. You got this beautiful place. Everything's perfect. You got Eve. You got, you got it all. You eat that apple and you stand the chance of dying upside down, hanging by your boots, which you'd go like, what are boots? But then he'd, he'd clear up boots. You're going <laughs> to die hanging upside down in a cavern, asphyxiating, if you eat that apple, guess what Dave's not doing? I'm not eating that apple. Hmm. Yeah. He had material. What if? He didn't get specific. What if I told you you got to experience all that other stuff, too, though, in between? Which stuff? Good and bad. Like the stuff the voles are doing? Like, like the pizza. <laughs> like every, yeah, <laughs> but like everything between the Garden of Eden and dude getting stuck you in You mean cave. like what if God gave you a reasonable choice? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, I think the. Like here you go. I'm, here's the good. This is amazing. And you're not going to get that in the Garden of Eden. But you're going to get it out there. What do you think, right? And then here's the downside. You, you can also, yeah, here's the downside. Well, I think the point of the story is it's the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So they had no knowing of what evil was. They just knew, okay, can't do that, right? So if there's any explaining of what evil was, that's kind of letting evil into the Garden of Eden. So I get why it oh, wasn't like... I get why it wasn't like, hey, here's what it feels like to be separated from me. Don't do it. Like, he was giving them the choice of you can keep going the way things are going or you can do this. The one thing I'm asking you not to do, just don't do that. I mean, that was their one rule. 
don't eat of this tree. Should have made us so we weren't that bad. <laughs> but they, got tricked. Made us better. they got tricked by the devil, though. Nah. Well, the way I was taught the story is that Eve was, you know, talking to the devil in his serpent form. And then Adam, I was always explained to me that Adam was smart enough to not do it, but he loved Eve so much that that's why he ate of the tree. <laughs> he didn't want to be separated so, from Basically him. like the bull guys. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Adam, Adam's, <laughs> like, Adam's like, no, nah, I mean, I knew all along it was wrong. I just did it because you did it. Yeah. <laughs> I was doing it for but you. But that's the whole point of the story is they didn't understand the the difference between good and evil. There was no knowledge. So then when they ate of the fruit, they realized, oh, my gosh, I'm naked. Is, like, this is so this, embarrassing. Just a cute little analogy. Is there wisdom in that, though? Like, sometimes ignorance is bliss. Like, maybe you are sometimes. Wouldn't oh, you be, sure. Wouldn't you feel better if you were dumb and didn't know? Wouldn't you trade places with your dog? Yes. My dog's got pretty good. I mean, think well, about it. Real, real question. If dogs lived 78 years, mm-hmm. if they had the same, you know, lifespan that we did, and you've lived this long as a human, and a wizard comes down and says, like, hey, I can make you a dog. If nah, you're with the right owner. Now, you don't have you, you don't have the sentience that we do. Right. You know, you're going to miss out on a whole lot of things, but you're also going to, you know, pretty much be happy every minute of every day. Nah, I'll take the sentience, right? Because... I don't, You're gonna. Well, we don't even know. <laughs> listen, we don't even know if dogs perceive happiness in the way that you think. People that they, work with right? me here. Fill you in, are... fill in the details for me. Well, no, that's what I am feeling. Let's I'm not get in down. All... I know. Let's let's stay out of the minutia of we're not sure exactly what. I'm just saying that yeah, I want the they sentience. live pure, innocent lives. Nah. They're hungry. They kill something. I want to go see Dune 2 at the movie theater. I don't want to. <laughs> I don't want to. I want to roll around in the grass uh, and eat crickets. I want to go see movies. I want to. I want to have a nice dinner. I don't want to eat kibble every day, even though I basically already do. <laughs> <laughs> I guess that part's the same. Rach, why should people have their kids taken away? Oh, this is such a horrible story. Um, the New York Times just did a report that uh, there are all these Instagram accounts that are run by uh, the mothers of teenage and younger little girls, and they are basically being exploited and being preyed upon by pedophiles through Instagram. And the the title of the story was like, they're inadvertently exposing their daughters to pedophiles. I don't think anyone's inadvertently doing anything. If you have an account set up for your little girl that gives people an opportunity to have private chats with her that gives her the people the opportunity to buy her used clothing what? to have exclusive content that no one else is seeing sending them information like your child's body measurements no one's inadvertently tricking you into interacting like with people like more this. than one person problem this is a more than one person problem this mm-hmm. is there are many accounts designed to sell children basically. Mm-hmm. And uh, Meta is aware. And I am quite frankly, so disgusted by Mark Zuckerberg, who just had the gall to be up in front of Congress and say, oh, no, there's there's absolutely no link with mental health issues. There's no yeah. harm being done to yeah. children. No you are all. a liar. We all knew you were a liar when you were saying it. But to have this report come out, it's just absolutely disgusting. And I think all of these That's mothers... These mothers don't deserve an ounce of sympathy. Fathers, whoever's running the account, they should have their children taken away immediately. One mother from Australia was quoted saying, yeah, I know this is happening, but she has so many followers and we've been doing this for so long. What are we supposed to do? Just up and quit? Yeah. Yeah. You're supposed Mm -hmm. to protect your kids. That's your one job is to protect your kid. 
and also not make money off them. Your kid is not your means of supporting yourself in that way. Right. Like if your kid has a talent, like if they're playing music or if whatever, playing some sport or whatever, that's a different thing. And letting them see, I'm so do what they're good at about that. That if I see a TikTok and it's just a family and they have an especially verbose, cute four year old. And they're going viral because of that four-year-old. I don't like you. Uh, and at bare minimum, if you're making any money, it should go straight into that kid's account. It should be in a trust. You should be overseen. Uh, I wonder if they're, what the laws are on that. The, there are several states. I think Illinois is one of them that is trying to make it to where if you're making money off your child, that does have to go into a trust for the child. Yeah. Um, Anything else is exploitation. I saw one I hesitated to talk about, but I will. Um, I, I mean, no uh, shock. I'm a 59 year old man. And so I'll get boobs every now and then. And this was a woman who was clearly making a living on TikTok, showing her giant boobs and fine. Wear what you dig, do what you want to do. But uh, the one I saw, she had her like five year old son in the kitchen with her and they were dancing. And it's like. Moms with big boobs get to dance with their kids, but let's not pretend that you're not doing what you're doing. And it just really, really made me sad. Like, this is your best option is bringing your toddler who has no idea what's going on and who's watching this and how they're watching it. Uh, I don't know. Just really, really disgusted me. Yeah. It, what's going to be very interesting is to watch these children grow up and get their voice yeah. and be able to speak. Like, oh, because, you're the kid in that video with right. your mom. Because oh. this is a relatively new thing within the past 10 years or so. There haven't been that many children who have turned 18 and have, you know, gone on Dr. Phil or whatever to yeah. tell their side of the story. That's the sad part is they're in their parental home. They don't have a vo they don't have a way of saying like, hey, I hate this. Even if they don't hate it, they might, right. they maybe they just don't understand you're what five. they're doing. They're being put in a really tough position. Um, so I'm sure more and more laws will be written as these children grow up and have a voice for themselves, but it's right Do now, you it's put just the very Kardashians sad. in that bucket. Um, I don't think that they're sexually exploiting their children, but they definitely I thought are. That her mom produced her sex tape. Um, that's a rumor, but Kim Kardashian was an adult at the time. So it's just a totally different situation. Um, they do let their, they do showcase their children on TikTok and Instagram and on their show. I wouldn't say it's totally different. I understand why it's different. But I think as a parent that if you uh, use your kids to get rich and you are showing the underbelly of your family and it's the worst of the worst and it is sexualized, and I don't know. Yeah. Do you guys note, do you, do you guys make any difference or note any difference when the kid is doing something like toy reviews, because there are accounts that are really popular where it's a kid that'll do a review of toys. New toy comes out, they buy the toy, kid plays with it, they show him playing with it, they show, or video, whatever it is, and they give a review, and a lot of those are super popular. Like, it's it's a is, that a different, is that a different thing, do you think? It's a Not different thing, but it's a continuum. It's still worth monitoring. It's I think it's like the most innocent of an area that I find troubling. Mm-hmm. I think it's all exploitation. I think it's having kids have jobs with the intent of making money for the parents. And that's, I mean, that's like exploitation by definition, in my opinion. Unless the kid benefits from it and it's not taking advantage. 
I mean, I how, do, how do we how do we differentiate that between that and, and a child actor? I don't like who's that getting either. paid to be. Yeah, but they exist and they've existed forever, and we don't, as a society, say there's something wrong with this. There, there's rules for child actors, right? Though. Right. So it's like, oh, you can only spend this many hours on set. You have to spend this many hours with a tutor. They, yep. They've really locked that down. Yep. When you're creating content at home, there is absolutely no oversight. Yes, that is a that is a great point. Yeah, That's completely the difference. agree. The difference but is in the, the end, it's it. still the same thing. No. If a stage mom is booking gigs for their kid and their kid's getting paid and that money goes to the family, not the kid. Yeah. And I don't know what every setup is, but I agree that the structure is important and that structure needs to exist for the YouTubers, the TikTokers and all that. I would agree with that. But fundamentally, it's still bigger picture the same thing. Mm. If you I, are if you are booking jobs for your kid and the family gets some of the money, even if it's just some of the money, not all of it. It's the same thing. Now, again, there's that continuum you're talking about, Dave. It's not the, the, the far end, that whole sexualizing of children. That's we all agree. That's horrible, ridiculous. Prosecute them. Take the kids away. The other end of it is the kid has a talent. The talent gets paid because there's a demand for a musician or a kid that can act well, or whatever. So, to me, sort of the Venn diagram of those is where I understand TikTok started, which was the teenage girls dancing. Yeah. And the one, I forget the, her name. Emilio's. There you go. Uh, where they took a lot of crap because mom and dad were the ones really pushing it. Now, I don't think you have to push a 14-year-old girl too far. Uh, hey, would you like to be wor- famous worldwide and people watch you dance and people watch you do this? Make some money. Of course. Yeah. Uh, but I look at the parents and I judge them really harshly. Yeah. and I guess where I want to know from you guys is... How much responsibility does Instagram have here? Because they've made this rule where they've banned users from under 13 from using the account, but that doesn't stop parents from creating accounts for children of all ages. They, In my opinion, you shouldn't be allowed to run an account like that. Anyone who's making a dime on sexualizing children should be ashamed of themselves and they should have criminal liability. Well, don't we... I mean, we we would apply that for almost anything else, right? Like if you ran a video store when there were video stores or an on a website that you know streaming service that has videos you can't have certain kinds of videos there are rules about that right i mean again it, it, you can and you can't also you can't run video of people without their permission and can you even give permission when you're 5 years old mm-hmm. yeah yeah well like cuz legally you can't the the purchasing of children's clothes i knew someone who did that i found that out later after I knew them, but that's in a big chill up my spine. That, that that's a market. That that's a thing you do is you can go out and buy clothing or pieces of clothing worn by child actors. Well, and that's I think a lot of times it's a signifier. I mean, there's nothing against the law of, of doing that, uh, but it's I think often symptomatic of a bigger issue with that person. Mm. <clears throat> Very textured show today. Very strange. Yes. 224 DGS. What do you guys think of this story? This woman, uh, her name was uh, Deborah Pritchard. She was a retired factory worker. She passed away at 70 from a stroke and an aneurysm. 
evidently, she was very, very careful her whole life with her money. Pretty cheap, actually, kind of frugal. And she had Medicare Part A, but she didn't have anything on top of that. And uh, before she died, she had another stroke. And it was an emergency. And they took her to the hospital, which was 79 miles away, in a helicopter. After she died, the family received a bill for $81,000. Wow. And they're saying... This wasn't us. We weren't in the helicopter. This is my mom. She's dead. Why are you coming after us? Well, you owe her debts. Uh, well, she had insurance. Well, she didn't have anything that covered this. Did you give her a choice about whether she wanted to be in the helicopter? No, it was a medical decision that was made by the medical staff. Thoughts? <laughs> Sue me. I'm not paying for someone else's bills. I never agreed to it. Right? Unless I'm on, like you know, unless you're listed as... You know the caretaker, or you have power of attorney. But even then, I, so, I'm not. I'm not agreeing. And there's nowhere. Is there? Is it in the law that you are on the hook for your parents' debts? Don't know because I don't believe you are. What do we think of that though? That there are services out there available to us that could be life saving, but they're almost a hundred thousand dollars a piece. Mm. Well, I I will let you guys uh, in on a secret. I am significantly in debt to a couple different ambulance companies over decisions that were not made. Medical emergencies that were suffered by my wife, but decisions that were not made by either of us, where the ambulance came, took her, took her to whatever hospital, and then said, "All right, that'll be you know twelve grand or whatever for the ambulance ride." And it's like, well, we we didn't choose that. That was a like you like you said, that was a medical decision that was made for us. And there's no you know insurance does not cover those those ambulance rides. It's uh, I think it's insane. I think it's absolutely insane. Um, I think it's crazy that. You know, being airlifted somewhere to save your life would cost you a hundred grand. I think that's yeah. I mean, I'm I'm searching this now, and I go to like find law and things, and it says in general, adult children are not responsible for their parents' medical bills. So come after me because I think they do that a lot as a threat, Mm -hmm. like hoping people will negotiate or pay. Because I I just I don't know of any, and I know for normal debts you're not on the hook for your parents. If your parents have credit card debt when they die, they, the card doesn't company doesn't get to come after you. So, why, why do we? What I mean, a terrible position to be put in because why? something happens to Phoebe in Lawrence, and they say we really need to chopper her back to St. Louis to take her to Barnes or to something else. Of course, you say yes, but eighty that there's there's. I don't know anyone who can just absorb an $80,000 bill. Right. And then I I just think of the medical workers who are the ones making the decisions. They're not the ones who are like, and we're going to charge you 80 grand. Like there's so many steps that have to be taken. You know, are are we expecting them to like get a signature before they chop you out or, or is it really on them ultimately to save a life? So then they're put in a really tough position too. It's, it's interesting. So I was uh, this happened. Sorry, go ahead. Oh, I was just gonna say I was shocked to discover that ambulances, the airlift helicopters, not controlled by hospitals, frequently are third party like contractor companies. Yeah, I was shocked. So we had. To, I mean, we did that with my mom a couple years ago. So her heart attack was two, just two years ago. The anniversary just passed, and for the open heart surgery she had to have, it had to be done at the University of Florida in Gainesville. Well, she was in Jacksonville, so they had to airlift her there. But it, I don't recall cost ever being a part of any of the conversation. I know it would have been afterwards, but it does depend on your insurance, I assume. The better the insurance, the better chances are you're covered.
worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. 236 DGS. We have weather coming in tonight. Dave Murray will be with us in exactly one hour. I believe that uh, yesterday and on the forecast that I've heard today, it's uh, between 5 p.m. and 10 p.m. kind of thing tonight. Should get up into the 80s today and then by tomorrow morning down into the 30s, by tomorrow night down into the 20s, and then we pop back up after that. Attorney Brad Young, who's with us pretty much every day, uh, is with us again. We're going to talk about a couple of things. First of all, the stand your ground laws in the state of Missouri are coming into focus because of the KC Super Bowl shooting. Both the original shooter and the guy that drew his gun second are saying that they were in reasonable fear of bodily harm. Therefore, they can invoke the standard ground defense. Uh, but first, uh, Brad Young knows a little bit of something about people being charged exorbitant amounts for things like taking a helicopter to the hospital. Brad, welcome back to the show. Hey, Dave. Uh, good to talk to you. I, I've dealt with this once before where exactly the situation you guys were talking about, where somebody got a multi-thousand dollar bill for an air ambulance. What do we do about it? So the first thing I looked into was whether or not there are any state regulations on this. But what I found was interesting is that, Dave, as you know, uh, under the supremacy clause of the Constitution, if federal law exercises jurisdiction over an area, state law cannot. It's called the preemption doctrine. And what I found when I looked into this is that uh, under the Airline Deregulation Act of 1978, it included a preemption provision that basically said states cannot regulate air ambulances at all. They can't issue any regulations, any restrictions on cost, any how much, how you bill it or how it's paid for. It basically says, says that that's ex exclusively rather federal law, state law can't do anything. So when you put it in the federal law and you give federal law the sole jurisdiction, there's not even anything you can do statewide to fix that enormous problem. So are people just screwed, Brad, if something like that happens? Well, I think, Wheels, you were saying earlier about the situation with uh, uh, kids and they get a big bill. And, yeah, parents aren't generally liable for the for the debts of their children uh, and vice versa. Uh, if uh, you have an older parent that goes out and has to get an ambulance ride and a helicopter, kids aren't responsible for that. Uh, and insurance coverage is going to be spotty. It's really going to be dependent on what kind of coverage that you have. And if they want to sue you and if it's your kids, you just say, you know, bring it. 
What about that, Brad? Let's say that your uh, parent passes away and they have $200,000, but there's an $81,000 charge for their final uh, helicopter ride to the hospital. Is that just a part of the estate? So it's 200 minus 81 unless you can negotiate it out? Well, yeah, it would be part of the estate. But remember, if you're talking about going after an estate for assets, you've got a situation with a house that may be jointly owned maybe owned by a husband and wife. Mm-hmm. And if it's the husband that dies and has the has the big ambulance bill, you can't attach a lien on jointly owned property. Mm. And then you have the situation with elderly parents. I did this both in my situation and my wife's situation. We did uh, quick claim deeds for the house to put the house in the name of the kids before they died so it didn't have to go through probate. Mm. In that situation, the ambulance company couldn't attach a lien to the house because the older person doesn't even own the house anymore. So there are lots of legal ways to get around those exorbitant debts. So I I know you're not giving legal advice in particular situations, but overall, if you have an elderly loved one that has some assets, you can put as many things as you can in the names of the kids, or at least jointly, so that one, you don't have to go through probate, and two, if someone comes after it, they'll have a harder time getting it. Absolutely. And again, I'm not an estate planning attorney. I'm not giving advice. But going through this process uh, several times, just personally, uh, yeah, if it's titled properly, property, you want to get that out of the name of the individual who's who's elderly or might soon be deceased if they have an illness. Mm -hmm. You want to get that property in the name of someone who's going to have a longer lifespan so it doesn't have to go through probate. Makes sense. Uh, Okay, so I I saw an article today and uh, very interesting just to to remind you that uh, the Super Bowl party in Kansas City, there were a couple of guys eyeballing each other and one of them got froggy, pulled the gun out, fired. The other guy pulled the gun out, fired. Then a few people pulled their guns out and fired. One woman was killed. Uh, Several people were injured, some of them badly. And now both of the primary defendants are talking about using not the castle doctrine because they weren't in their home or their car, but Missouri stand your ground rules. Talk about it, Brad. Yeah. Well, first of all, my son-in-law was there when it happened. He was not too far away from where the shooting happened and he called me right after it happened. So yeah, I heard about it rather quickly, but under the stand your ground, it essentially states that it's under Missouri law, section 563, if somebody wants to Google it, that you're allowed to defend yourself if you're in a dwelling or residence or even on property, anywhere that you're legally, uh, it's acceptable for you to be there. You do not have a duty to retreat. Under the old law, if somebody came up to you with a gun, you had a duty to run away. And uh, starting in 2016, that was changed. You have the right to defend yourself. But here's the reason why I think, Dave, this may not specifically apply to these guys. Because uh, the, the two people who have been arrested so far, uh, 23-year-old Lindell Mays and 18-year-old Dominic Miller, both of them, I was looking through their probable cause statements today. And uh, on Mays, he said that he picked out what I'm quoting. He picked out one person in a group at random and started shooting because they said, I'm going to get you. And he took that to mean I'm going to kill you. But he wasn't shooting at anyone in particular. He was shooting at random. And I think the question is going to be, can you shoot at people randomly when you fear for your life? And I'm, I'm, I don't believe 
that that defense would necessarily stand given that fact pattern. You know, this is like being in law school again, Brad, but you can imagine a situation. You're walking down the proverbial dark alley. Suddenly there are four people in front of you and they've got pipes in their hands and they're smacking them on their other hand, just like in a movie. And they're like, you're about to get it, brother. And at that point, if you have a gun and you pull it out and you just pick the biggest one out and you shoot them, seems like you could make a colorable argument that, well, I wasn't sure which one was going to attack me, but they seemed to be a united party, sort of a gang, and they were threatening, and I had a gun, and I defended myself. Yeah, but see, this is why I loved law school, Dave. I had a blast in law school uh, because of this situation. Change it, though, to the parade or to the, to the, to the Kansas City Chiefs parade party. There, you don't have a gang of four thugs with pipes. You've got thousands of people who had no ill will, had no intention to do harm, and you had the potential of one person in a crowd of hundreds or thousands. And if you just randomly shoot into this crowd of hundreds or thousands because you think that one may be in a position to harm you, I don't think that that rises to the level of self-protection if you're firing at random at people who are included in a group who have no ill will towards you. So continuing with the law school analogy, how about the second guy? So uh, uh, a gun's already been shot and the second guy pulls his gun. Yeah. Miller, he said under questioning by the police, and and again, I'm quoting from the probable cause statement, uh, that he fired four or five times because someone was shooting at him. He didn't know who. Hmm. He didn't know where it was coming from. He just heard shots thought someone was coming from him, so he pulled out his gun and started firing. But again, both of those fact patterns are very similar, where you're shooting, where these guys were shooting at people whom they did not have a reasonable belief were there to harm him. They thought one person in a crowd was going to harm him, but is that sufficient for the defense? I don't think so. So uh, we've been having a law professor from St. Louis University on, Anders, who is really, really good. And I think Channel 5 picked him up from us. I hope so. I, I don't take that I take that as a compliment. Mm-hmm. But he's been on lately with Channel 5, and I saw him talking about the Castle Doctrine, which is different from what we're talking about now. But he was saying that under the Castle Doctrine, in Missouri at least, that you don't have to have a reasonable uh, apprehension of death that it can be pretty much any kind of harm and therefore like someone in their car and a couple of hooligans approach it and start banging on the windows well you don't have an immediate they don't have a gun it's not pointed at you they're just they're up to no good and he, he, he was saying that under Missouri's castle doctrine as long as you are in reasonable fear of some kind of harm you can use lethal force well, that is absolutely true. In fact, there's case law on that. But but again, let's change the fact pattern slightly to show the limits of the of this castle doctrine. There was a case in Missouri about a year and a half ago where a guy comes out of his porch and I am imagining he's wearing a robe and slippers and probably has a four day beard. And he comes in probably kind of a big pouchy stomach and he comes out of his front door. He sees a couple of guys breaking into his car and he brings out the uh, the double barrel and starts unloading on him. Okay. And he said, well, it's a castle doctor and they were breaking into my car, but the guy wasn't in the car. Mm-hmm. He was in his house shooting from his porch. So it, it gets back to this idea that you have to personally be in some type of danger, maybe not lethal, but some type of danger and just danger to property is not sufficient. So, Using a different example, Dave, who was the celebrity that basically got beat up by a bunch of people on motorcycles? 
Uh, uh, Ian Ziering. Ian, Ian Ziering. So there's a celebrity. He was in his car with his daughter and a bunch of people riding motorcycles. And we see that in St. Louis a lot. A lot, a lot. Guys flying around on motorcycles and, and harassing other drivers and all that. So in that scenario, is the driver protected if they decide to take action? If they're being followed, if they're being cut off, if they're being like at a stoplight and surrounded. Right. Well, the the favorite word of all attorneys is the word reasonable. And the reason why lawyers love that word is because no matter whom you're representing, you can use that word to your advantage. Now, having said that, there would have to be a, a it would have to be reasonable for that person to fear that they were in some sort of danger. So Again, you can change the fact pattern. If you got just a couple of guys on motorcycles, they just happen to be behind you, and you turn around and open fire, uh, the question is going to be, did you reasonably uh, feel that you were in a position of imminent danger? But if those, if you change the facts and you say the motorcycle riders are coming up, they're banging on the side of the car, they're circling your vehicle in, in, a, in a diamond shape of motorcycles riders, then yes, you could say it's reasonable for that person, the driver, to feel that they're in danger. Brad, you're the best. I say it every time you're on, but it's true. Thanks so much. Hey, my pleasure, Dave. Anytime. Going to do some sports for you at the top of the hour, and there are some interesting stories in sports. We have Dave Murray coming up. We have uh, weather coming in tonight, and especially if you are south of the city, you may want to be here at three thirty to hear about that when things are supposed to start uh, rocking and rolling. The think tank coming up at four p.m. with David Barklage and Braxton Payne, two of our favorites. Uh, five things the middle class won't be able to afford in five years. Oh boy! Yeah. Homes. <laughs> Good start. Uh, especially in cities and other high demand areas, it's just harder to afford a home now than ever before. For enjoying retirement, people will be able to retire. But for most people in the middle class, the uh, years of being able to travel and do things and have a good time uh, is not going to be there. Three, private school. Uh, I guess going from, you know, kindergarten all the way through two new cars. Prices have gone up significantly in the past five years. It looks like a trend that will continue. And the number one thing that's going to affect middle class families uh, beginning in five years, family vacations, that the days of uh, jumping into a car and going across the country or going to Cancun are probably over. Wow. I doubt these things are true. Yeah. But interesting thoughts. You guys don't think they're true? Um, I think people will find a way, but that doesn't mean that it's going to be easy. And it doesn't mean that you can do all these things. I think it's also getting harder to start those things. Yeah. Right. Like, I think people that are like, for example, if you have homes now, well, homes have appreciated your home cost you a certain amount. Now it's worth more. If you do decide to move or upgrade or refinance like or take righteous situation. But right, right. I think starting yeah. seems to be the harder part it right now. It feels impossible sometimes. Yeah. Like it just, I look at Zillow. I, I mean, I love to look at like realtor.com and Zillow and just see what's there in, in the city of St. Louis. And I can't believe how expensive houses are here. I and, thought everyone was leaving. And rent, you say. Oh, rent is going up. Missouri and St. Louis have some of the highest rents That's in the country. That's not okay. It's not okay for both home prices and rents to to be high. Yeah. I mean, I get why they are. Like, hey, these people can't afford houses. Let's screw them when they try to, to rent something. But that's just, that's just terrible. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. 
You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.